My name's Kaylee Golden, also known as your favourite girl from Brum, and this is the Radio Silence Podcast. On this podcast, I'll be sharing the stories of minority groups within the UK radio industry and helping us to answer the question, how can we do better? Throughout season one, we'll be focusing on the stories of black creatives in the industry. On today's episode, I'm joined by Tyler West, presenter and DJ for Kiss FM, Tony Minaval, presenter on Jazz FM, and also the very beautiful Remel London, who presents for Capital Extra. I'll be talking to them about their personal journeys into radio, the work that they currently do, and also the importance of representation within the industry, and of course, much more as well. I also want to take a moment to mention that this season is dedicated to the incredible work that's being done at Black Minds Matter. Black Minds Matter is a charity very, very close to my heart that aims to empower communities and make lasting change. To learn more about them and to donate to their cause, just go and check out the notes of this podcast and all the details is on there. Right, I'm super excited to jump straight into it with the amazing Tyler West. So can we talk about your journey into radio? Where did it all begin for you? For me, I mean, I didn't have a traditional route into radio um, per se. Like I've always done presenting. Like I started presenting like, started on CBBC and I did like various other like TV brands and online so over MTV and online for Lego and stuff like that. It was a bit of a mad journey I'd had with presenting and radio, I can't lie, it wasn't ever one of those things as a child. I definitely didn't look at and go, oh yeah, I proper want to be on radio one day. TV was always it for me. But then I, as I got older, I started to realise and listen to a lot more radio. And then the opportunity came up for me to go and do like, some podcast experience. Once I started talking on a mic and I realised, on the set, this is, this is presenting, like this is the same thing that I've been doing on TV. But now I just don't have to wear clothes or worry about if I've got sleep in my eye and look like absolute trash on camera. I could just yeah. do it with my voice and try and invoke that into people's lives and bring a bit of joy to them. So I actually decided, I was like, right, I really, really want to get into radio. This is going back a couple of years now. And I, I made a podcast with a company called Studio 71. It was called The Everyday Hustle. And it did really well on the iTunes charts and stuff like that. It was about people's journeys and experiences and, and storytelling. And starting that podcast, one of the main goals behind it was I, I love talking to people. I love, I'm intrigued about their stories and becoming comfortable with like listening and diving into their journeys. But also it was to get some experience behind the scenes of being able to talk into a mic and working in a studio setting. So that was one of the prime examples as to why I did it. Off the back of that, Kiss approached me and was like, do you want to come in for a radio demo? And I was like, I was not reading this email, right? I was like, are you, are you sure? Like, this is this is like skipping like point five, six, and 7 on my plan and going straight to number 8. I was like, yeah, 100%, I'll come in. And I did it. And the team over at Kiss, they're just, they're one of a kind. There's so many talented people behind the scenes, even on the presenter lineup as well. So much advice I got given, so much I learned within just doing my first few demos over there. I went for the demos at the end of 2018. And then on January 4th, 2019, I started the Kiss evening show. And, and that was it. And then it was like, yeah, you're thrown in the deep end. Let's roll. <laughs> Do you think it was better being thrown in the deep end there? 100%. 100%. Like being thrown in the deep end, it's like it's this idea where you can just have a, a, a lose yourself moment and just go like, you're always going to be wondering what's on the other side of taking that opportunity or taking that risk. So when you do get thrown in the deep and you're like, oh, is this the worst it can get? Like, is this like, oh, I'm so nervous, but this is the only nerves I'm going to feel. It's only going to get better from here. And you always have to take that first leap. You always have to do that first radio link. You always have to do that first time presenting on camera or the first time meeting the parents or the in-laws, whatever it is in your life. Just throw yourself in the deep end and then it's only up from there. Yeah. You mentioned that when you was younger, you didn't really listen to radio. You started to listen when you were a bit older. Why do you think that is? It wasn't just radio, it was everything. I was a massive recluse when I was younger. I never, anybody that knew me when I was younger, which weren't many people, probably I'm talking my family here, knew that I was just this kid that would go to school, wouldn't talk to anybody, I wouldn't socialise, I was so socially anxious, it was ridiculous. And then I'd come home, I'd finish all my work at school so I didn't have no homework. And then I'd come home and I'd just put on movies. I was obsessed with movies and films. And I, like, I was, I was creative at heart, 
never would I ever do anything like it. But yeah, I would just always watch loads of different movies and TV shows and stuff. And that is the reason why, I guess, <laughs> growing up, I never saw myself doing something which involved me talking to people, doing something that involved me having to go outside of my comfort zone whatsoever. Like I, I was never sort of, and my mum, bless her, did an amazing job bringing me and my brother up on her own. She loved us. She gave us so much love and care and, and gave us such good morals. It wasn't always like on the confidence side of things that was pushed with me and Lewis pushing our boundaries. But I, yeah, I was, I was a massive recluse, man. And then I think it was like when I was like 14, 2010, that year, like there was a lot of experiences and, and things that went on in my life at home that made me think, rah, I need to switch up. I need to switch up the game. I need to, I need to stop feeling and hiding away in my bedroom all the time and actually get out there and live my life. Imagine if you didn't, you'd be doing some next career path. It's mad. It's mad because, because you know what, in, like there's been other circumstances where I've been on like a couple of mental health chats and stuff like that and a couple of panels and that. And I've spoken about my experiences and I, I openly do speak about them on other occasions. And them things there, they had such a big impact on my life of everything that I went through as a kid. And as much as it hurts so much during that time, I wouldn't be doing the job I'm doing or be the man I am today if I hadn't gone through any of those. Like some things might happen in your life that are just mad, hurtful and painful and you might cry your eyes out and just like, oh, I don't want it to ever happen to me ever again sort of thing. But them experiences there shape you. Yeah, definitely. And at that point that you decided a few years later that, oh, radio might be for me after doing the podcast, Mm. did representation ever come into your mind at that point? 100%. Not as much as it did with TV, but it definitely was there. And the reason... The reason being is because it's your voice and it's like some of the voices of which I heard on radio, I couldn't tell if it was a black or white voice. I knew that that voice right there gave me a bit of joy or a bit of of escape within them just talking to me in their show or or, that sounded so jokes. I'm going to laugh at it. It didn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's where you can't see it on face value. But then now that I work in radio, I understand why it's so important when it comes to representation so important to have a variety so important to have people from different backgrounds beliefs and um uh, genders and race and religions and this is because radio is there to give like escape to give information to give like ultimate music vibes wherever possible but the big thing there is educate and it's like you can't educate someone if it's just like 10 white people in a room, you're not going to be able to educate on things that matter to black people and it come from a genuine space which won't come across offensive or, or sort of lacking in knowledge. Do you know what I mean? It has to, it has to be from a genuine place. And if, if it's across the board, then it's, it's an absolute no-brainer for everyone. A hundred percent. And it's interesting that you started that by saying that you noticed it more with TV, but radio's mm. become so much more visual now that... Mm-hmm that you know what the presenters look like through social media, through like YouTube. And even some presenters now are doing a lot of TV as well, doing them both. So mm. I think now that things are changing and being more visual, representation's never been more important either. 100%. No, it's, it's never been more important. And yeah, you do see the more like radio presenters across socials and doing different videos now and interviews which go trending and things like that. But I think just from my personal experience, like I mean, I've worked with a lot of TV brands that will sit there and go, right, we want to get presenters on board. We need to tick a box and tick that BAME box. Let's get someone black on. I want you to take me for me and not for my skin colour. Do you know what I mean? It's like, how do you find that balance? And I feel like with radio, it's that one thing. It's like, if you send in a demo to a station, before somebody's even looked you up, they've heard your talent first. That was one of the differences for me. And it's such an interesting discussion that you talk about the balance thing, because you are right. Some companies do go, oh, we need to tick this box. Let's find someone. But there's so much talent out there in so many different diverse areas, whether it is your religion, whether it is your ethnicity, whether it is your sexual orientation, that even if you say that you need to tick a box, which is wrong anyway, it shouldn't be hard to find that talent anyway. Like, you shouldn't have to go, oh, do you know what? They're all right. I'm going to have them because they're black. There's just generally really good black presenters there's really good muslim presenters there's really good gay presenters do you know what i mm-hmm. mean so mm-hmm. you shouldn't even have to tick the box because of the talent's there anyway mm-hmm. yeah the talent is there and it's also i think i think a lot of the responsibility comes down to us as talent though in being able to put ourselves forward and having that confidence and belief because things are changing it's like you said at the start things are 100 percent changing the fact that 
you know, we're able to do like next week on my show, I've got my dad coming in and we're doing a takeover for Black History Month, talking about his upbringing as a child. Never before would I have imagined on a national radio station, me being able to sit there as a boy from South London on a little council estate, being able to talk to millions of people and be like, this is my life. This is my upbringing. These are some of the trials and tribulations that me, my dad and every other black person has had to go through similarly. Never would I believe that that would be doable on a national brand, but things have 100% come such a long way. So it's a case of us still being able to believe that, recognise that change and put ourselves forward for it as well. And how does that make you feel to be able to do programming like that in a whole 2020? Like, that's incredible. Mm. Yeah, it it makes me feel proud. I can't lie. It makes me feel proud. But it also, it adds a certain element of not negative pressure, but like good pressure in a way, because I feel like now that things are changing and that I'm moving with the times of what is changing, I have a responsibility on the platform that I have to use it in the best way possible to continue this change and shape whatever I can to be a better situation than what it already is. When the Black Lives Matter movement started becoming more apparent this year, I used the platform in whatever way I could, whether it be on my Instagram, whether it be on my Twitter, whether it be on the KISS socials, whether it be on my show. It was like being able to use whatever tools are in my capacity to be able to make that change. And I think that that's something we come up against a lot trying to get into this industry is that like, oh, I don't have the opportunity or I don't have the change. Well, actually, yeah, you do. Like you have like 90% of people have like iPhones now or access to an iPhone. Go video something, go record something as a voice note, go play some music or learn an online software. There's loads of free online softwares and everything out there. But anywhere that you can, the tools are there. It's just like if you're willing and you've got that sort of drive and determination to go and do it. Yeah, a thousand percent. Something that you mentioned as well is obviously throughout the Black Lives Matter movement is talking about it on Kiss socials, etc. And something that I do love so much about Kiss is that they haven't made it a Kiss Fresh thing just because of Kiss nah. Fresh is the station that predominantly plays more black music across mm. the brands. Mm. And we see sometimes other platforms just push it off to the black station that they have. How does it make you feel just to know that you can do that on KISS main station? Do you know what? KISS has come on such a journey in the short space that I've been there. It has completely changed. If you look into the playlist now, yeah, okay, you'll get the sensational pop tracks from the likes of like Demi Lovato and Marshmello, but then you'll also... On the back of that, you also get Master KG, Nomsebo, Zakodi, and Burner Boy playing off the back of it. Do you know what I mean? And it's that variety there which has instantly switched up the game. The fact that we've been able to talk like that on on main Kiss is sensational. But it should have been done from, and this is talking about every station now broader. It should have been done a long time ago. It should have been done a lot, and and it should be the way moving forward because the fact of the matter is, it isn't only just black people that listen to Kiss Fresh, say, for example, just because it plays black music. That is not that is not the case. The playlist has songs inspired from black culture. You can't be naive in the, in the sense saying, that, oh, this is this is a white song or this is a black song. <laughs> like, loads of people love different types of genres of music. That's fact. So it's just the case that, yeah, the fact that we can talk about it on Kiss, it's a massive step in the right direction. But it's it's across the board as well. It's the fact that we've got, different types of music playing now it's completely refreshed and it just sounds so good and then then it's also the fact that every single presenter and producer down to the cleaners down to the everybody part of the brand has the same vision and that is only gonna then benefit the listeners and educate them in the right way because every it's coming from a genuine place it's not like one person on the team is black and going right we need to do something like history month that ain't the case like it's like people were coming to me for ideas before I even had any myself and they weren't black themselves. So it's so refreshing to know that it's coming from a genuine place and moving in the right direction. I couldn't be prouder to be a part of it, man. Yeah. Two final questions, which are Mm. the most important of the podcast, I feel. Why do you think there's a lack of diversity in radio across the board? I think that there's a lack in diversity is because people are scared of change. And I think it, come, it comes from both sides. It comes from the people in power that are scared of change. They're scared of, without going for the traditional presenters that they might have on their roster, they're scared of doing that. Is it too much of a change going over to new talent? They worry about money, business, and all the complications behind the scenes, which isn't just to do with the playlist. They're scared of change. And then also, I think, for the people on the other side of it, the people trying to get these opportunities, it's the lack of belief. Is that, I, I always go by saying, right, if you, 
and this is facts, right? I don't know if you've ever been to a barber shop or seen a barber shop in South London, <laughs> like an Afro-Caribbean barber. But if I wait in the barber shop long enough, I'm gonna get a haircut. The same thing with with opportunities in this industry is that they may not always be screaming, shouting in your face, and dancing right there like clear as day. But if you wait around and you have the determination and drive, you will get it, regardless of your skin color, background, race, or, or anything like. That. I, I, I sometimes believe that that doesn't come into it. It's just the lack of belief because it's never been done before by certain people. But we need to champion those people that have paved the way, those legends that have absolutely went on to the, the mainstream brands and decided to absolutely switch up the game to, to make us believe that, hold on a second, it is possible because they can do it. I think across the board, people just need to open their eyes up to change. And I'm speaking about the power makers in, in specific, like the big bosses and, and the people behind the scenes, because it's to do with the power makers, just, just making those decisions behind the scenes and just being fair and, and actually then just doing that judge on, on talent and not just, oh, I've got to tick a box. Like that's the most, it's the most frustrating disheartening thing knowing that oh yeah you might just be on the lineup just because of the color of your skin to appeal to to the masses like it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way but yeah it's just having that belief and and people the power makers in specific making those right changes yeah so how do you think as a whole we can fix this problem of diversity Mm. I think it's by doing this, like exactly what me and you are doing now, talking about it. It's addressing it. It's like the big thing that came to me when the Black Lives Matter protests start and and the Black History Month has come about is people actually genuinely asking questions. Even my mum was coming to me and saying, oh, tight, I didn't realise this happened, you know? Like all this like systemic racism and and like subtleness or which goes on on a day-to-day basis and the inequality that follows. It's heartbreaking and it's like, but it's good the more that you have these uncomfortable conversations, the more that you talk, the more that you ask questions. I'd rather people come to me and, and ask me about, and it might come across like to other people as like, oh, all right, that's a bit offensive and stuff like that. But no, you're uneducated. You know what I mean? We just need to continue that conversation and also keep providing the platform. So that people like myself, say, for example, any other black or minority ethnicity presenters or bosses or producers or editors, anybody within that if you can give a helping hand to somebody that really really wants to get into this industry the radio industry and you can offer 10 minutes of your time to have a little chat or 10 minutes of your time to give them a little workshop or a little zoom call or whatever we can do at the moment under the under the current circumstances then do it the one reason as to why I doubted myself as a young kid growing up on one of the biggest council estates in London is because I didn't see anybody doing it and nobody was telling me do you know what I mean? I, I was like one of three black kids in my whole school. It, I, I didn't see anybody sitting there going, oh, yeah, no, it's like, you can do it. Like, oh, there's somebody on TV. Like, it was all, you know, the Dex, the Philip Schofields, everybody that I'm watching. And it's like, you need that inspiration to be able to go, well, if they can do it, I can. So if you if you are in a position like that, if you are any of those job roles in any industry and you can contribute to making a change or you, you're like, oh, how can I contribute? It's just by talking. It's just by talking and leading by example and giving that helping hand to other people that want to get to your position. Yeah. And something that you just said really is true for the fact that it's not always just a case of just seeing someone. It's actually helping them and putting out a mm. hand. Because if just seeing someone on the TV or hearing someone on the radio, yeah, you may be able to think, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. But it's then they may not know how to do it. So if you can 100%. just offer some of your time just to say, oh, these are some really good steps that might get you in the right direction, or you can have mm-hmm. a career in radio. Because a lot of mm-hmm. people just don't know how to. A lot of people in school don't even know that radio is an option. Do you know? Hundred percent. And and it's and it's about reaching out and asking for help. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I have like away from just trying to be this this helping hand in the situation. Of course, every single person is a human being. We can only take so much, and there are busy times. There's busy schedules and sometimes life can get mad overwhelming. Like, for example, I struggle with my mental health. I'm in no way okay to help anybody else when I'm going through those tough times because it's like they say when you get on an airplane, right? Secure your own mask before securing others. But at the same time, if you are in that position and you are feeling good and you are you have got that, like 10 minutes of your time to selflessly give, 100% go and do it because otherwise I can sit there and, and campaign about, oh, there's not enough diversity within the industry and stuff like that but if I'm sitting there somebody from you know who falls under that category and I'm not doing anything to help then I'm not doing all I can and that's I think that's that's where one of the problems is that was the incredible Tyler West DJ and presenter on Kiss FM
Now, next up, I had a conversation with Ramel London, and she gets very honest about the ways that we can fix the issue of diversity in today's radio scene. How did your journey into radio start? Where did it all begin? So I I studied broadcast journalism at the University of Leeds, and that course basically teaches you the fundamentals of TV and radio production. So that's where I kind of figured out I'm probably going to be more of a specialist with music because, you know, I, I didn't really enjoy the journalistic part of it, but I loved creating features and like pretty much interviewing. That's where I really kind of figured out, oh, okay, I want to be an interviewer. I want to interview people. Yeah, it kind of went from there. After uni, I just threw myself at every radio opportunity I possibly could. And yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's been good. And when you say you threw yourself at every radio opportunity, I'm right in saying you've done community radio, didn't you? Yeah, I did a little bit of everything. So while I was at uni, I did student radio. I was on LSRFM. While I was in Leeds, I also found the local, we called it community, but it was really a pirate radio station. (laughs) It was called Fresh FM. And that's where I really was like, okay, I could be a specialist in music. And when I was at uni, Funky House was massive. And I was a big raver. And especially being in Leeds, the rave scene in London was really popping off for Funky House. It hadn't reached Leeds yet. So I was basically trying to be the the plug for Leeds and like introducing people to a lot of Funky House from the London scene. So that's when I was like, okay, I think music is definitely the angle. And when I got back to London, I was on um, Bang Radio, did a few cover bits there. And I was a radio assistant there as well. Again, Moved around, did stuff at Choice FM that ended up me working at Capital FM for two years. And then literally, I just feel like I was radio shopping. I went everywhere. (laughs) And it was good to experience different types of radio from commercial to community to, you know, then I had a stint at One Extra, which was very, it felt quite specialist. So it was, it was good. It was really, really good. So who inspired you in the first place to get into radio? Who was you listening to? So I actually listened to Trace FM. Um, That was my go-to station. So it's amazing that I'm now on the next level generation of Trace FM, which turned into Capital Extra with the rebrand. So I listened to Martin and Asher, and then it turned into Martin and Lucy. I used to listen to Cat B and Richard Blackwood, Angie Lamar. Jenny Francis, like I was a proper choice FM kid. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And at that point then, listening to Choice FM, you must have felt represented because there's so many amazing black presenters at Choice. Yeah, I mean, that was where I first, like, you know, my mum used to play the radio all the time. So that's how I was, I was aware of it. And that station was the station that we listened to all the time. She still does it now. So... Just that, you know, getting up in the morning, first thing you hear is the radio, Choice FM. So, you know, when I was walking to school, like, you know, you'd hear them talking about coming up, we're going to be interviewing so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to miss that. So I'd walk to school still listening to it because I didn't want to miss out. But yeah, it was just really good to hear people talking about things that I liked, playing music and artists. Like, you know, just seeing back then, it was like Destiny's Child was always on or like Usher and, you know... Buster Raz, Missy Elliott, all those kind of tunes that I grew up listening to, they were always there. And I could hear the music I liked and people were talking to me the way I understood it and enjoyed it. I'm so glad to hear them throwing forward worked so well. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, definitely. (laughs) And do you feel represented now within radio? I think, you know, once again, me being on Capital Extra, there's a lot of amazing black women so it's like a pleasure to be on a station with people like uh, Leah Davis, Yinka and Shana Marie. It's good that we are represented and we've got great slots like I can't lie like Yinka and Shana Marie doing the breakfast show that's amazing like a black female duo amazing. Leah she's kind of slotted perfectly into that that nice old school Jenny Francis slow down zone. She's her voice is just literally butter melting oh we love you Leah and then, and then me Saturday afternoon I know most of my listeners are either in the barbershop in the hairdressers I get so many messages about people listening in the hairdressers and I'm like yes girl don't worry while you're getting slayed I'm gonna play your tunes so you know I feel like 
we've got a good balance in the weekday and at the weekend of, of representation for black women. But of course, I want to see way more black women on the air. And, you know, other stations are doing great with it as well. I mean, like, one extra's got Cyan Anderson, Yasmin Evans. They just lost Adol, but she's gone over to Beats. And like, you know, Clara Ampho's on Radio 1. Vic Hope just moved to Radio 1. Like, seeing black women in, in radio is just amazing. And, you know, it's not, it doesn't always have to be uh, specifically black music. You know, Clara doing the BBC Radio 1 Live Lounge and, and stuff like that. That is eclectic music, like. All types of artists are coming through and she's interviewing so many different types of artists. So it's not a black thing. It's a, oh, an amazing woman that knows music that's interviewing people. You've just said so many brilliant names. And obviously when the death of George Floyd happened and the rise of Black Lives Matter movement happened, Capital Extra really spoke about it on socials, on air. And how did that make you feel to have the station cover something that was so massive within the black community at that point and even now? Yeah, I was really proud that we was encouraged. I think encouraged is the word. You can't avoid things like that, you know. It's like we couldn't avoid talking about COVID. So if something affects your life and you know it's affecting everyone's life in the world, that situation felt like a pandemic in itself. So you can't ignore it. You have to address it. And there's black people all of the black presenters, not even just the black presenters, but a lot of our colleagues were speaking out and saying how it made them feel and encouraging our listeners as well to think and be thoughtful and considerate and let's discuss how we can move forward. So it was really encouraging to know that I was allowed to use my platform to uplift or dive a little bit deeper into the experience that we were going through. So yeah, I think it was really important that we had that moment. Of course, we were all all really cautious and, and we were a little bit worried about how do you deliver something like that? Because, you know, most of the time we're all happy, bubbly presenters. And then, you know, you have to take the turn and say something really upsetting and, and dark and discussing really insidious problems in our culture. So it was really, really, really gratifying to know that we could speak openly. I was, I'm not going to lie, I was very, very shocked because if we hear about commercial radio and how it's always got to be uplifting and happy and this and that. And the only thing we ever prepare for being a radio student is if the Queen dies. That's the only time we get told, switch up the schedule, switch how you talk. And apart <laughs> from that, just keep it moving with a smile on your face. So I exactly. was so shocked but empowered to yeah. have you talk about that on air and it just inspired me because radio never felt so real until then. Very, very true. And, you know, the funny thing is I didn't ask for permission to say anything, but after I did say something, I emailed the boss and kind of was like, I just want to be clear that we are allowed to, and it's so sad that you have to ask, like, are we allowed to talk about this? Like, how do you want to approach this? And they said, no, of course you can talk about this. Like, if this is what, if this is, if this is how you feel and if you want to address it, you know, without causing offence or any, on any legalities or anything like that, of course you can speak. And I was like, wow, thank you. I really appreciate that. So I did it because I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. But <laughs> at the same time, I wanted to kind of be reassured that we could continue the conversation. And yeah, the management team and the organisation were really, really considerate of how important it was to us. Yeah, well, thank you so much for speaking out on it, because I think it has inspired a lot of young radio presenters to push boundaries and say, do you know what, Like, we can talk about things that do matter in our community. So it's so inspiring. So I just want to say we really do appreciate you doing that. Thank you. And I've got to say thank you to all the other presenters that have done the same because people like Clara Ampho, she gave an incredible, incredible speech or dialogue that really got everyone talking and then really, really, again, encouraged the rest of us to continue the conversation as well. So yeah, thank you so much. There's so many amazing, amazing broadcasters that are just really shaking things up, which is great. Now, the two most important questions of the podcast is why do you think that there's a lack of diversity in radio as a whole? I do think that there's always been a stigma about or there's been a portrayal <laughs> or a direction that, you know, black music or black stories are negative or black music, especially people are always worried that, you know, it's going to be about violence. It's going to be 
I don't know, there's just this aggressive undertone that the black experience is negative. And I'm really, really excited for the change that's coming because we're really trying to make sure people know that the Black experience has amazing things about it and beautiful things that we can share and learn and enjoy together. And I think the fact that Black music is doing so well, people are starting to feel like, oh, we really need to tap into actually more Black voices because you can't just, you know, I think there's a lot of, things that other broadcasters can't identify with, can't explain, can't, you know, I may be able to dive a little deeper in an interview with, for example, Stormzy than another presenter or broadcaster from a different ethnicity because they might not be able to relate to where he's from or speak the same kind of dialect as him. So, you know, my rapport might be a little bit better. So I think people are understanding that having understanding of people's backgrounds, their cultures, actually gives more of an insight into the music, the culture, the artists, the personalities. So I feel like there's an understanding that we need more Black voices. We need more Black talent and different perspectives and more women, whether that's people that are from the LGBTI community or whether that's people that are different cultures religiously, if they're Muslim, if they're Hindi, if they're Christian. Like we really need to look further than just black or white and you know we are all human beings but we all have different experiences so I think we're starting to understand or I'm hoping we're starting to understand that you need to go a bit deeper you need to ask more questions and sometimes that means having more diverse on and off air producers presenters so then you can tell more stories and share more experiences and grow progress i think it's really important that we progress and understand everyone it's so it's so important and as you said each person that comes on you have different experiences and radio is all about being a personal medium connecting with people telling stories so if everyone's got the same story It's going to get boring. Let's be honest, it's going to get boring. So how do you grow from there? Having more diverse people on and off air means that the stereotypes will be broken because I feel like there's a lot of assumptions made as well. So, you know, it's it's nothing worse than hearing someone assume that a rapper must have had a terrible upbringing or, you know, all these kind of things like, Uh, assuming that, you know, a woman has been through some kind of disaster or like, no, actually, we actually are really enjoying our lives. (laughs) Or or if they have, like, you know, you want to hear different perspectives and different achievements. If there are some negatives in there, cool. We want to hear different versions, but not your assumption that, oh, you must have grown up in a really terrible home situation and on a council estate, even if you did live in a council estate, that you don't need to assume I did. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the final question then, how do you think that we can fix diversity within radio? Is it as simple as just hiring black people? What would you say the solution is? I mean, there's so many things and it's a complex question. It's a complex answer. But I do feel like to get in the right direction of helping create a more diverse environment for radio, you have to really be honest. The buildings, the organisations really have to be honest and open with themselves and look at their team. Who is on your team? What are you representing? Who are you targeting? So, for example, if you're targeting young black children or teenagers, do you have anyone in your team that understands young black teenagers? If not, start hiring them, start working with them, start, you know, get work experience, interns, young people fresh out of uni who know what what they enjoy and they can create that. You know, start looking at whatever you're trying to deliver, please at least have (laughs) at least a few of those target audience within your team because asking a white middle-aged man to create content for a 13-year-old black girl from South London, it makes no sense. So, you know, if you want to target and make money from certain demographics, please make sure you're putting money in the pockets from those demographics as well. Again, stop assuming what these young people want and need and start employing these young people so they can deliver what young people want and need. Free. (laughs) When you say put money in their pockets, because of there's so many talented people that are just out there 
just waiting to be employed, just waiting for the opportunity. So it's true, go into universities, have more programs that you can bring your people in from college when they're right in the middle of it all. Do you know what I mean? Literally. Using them, that's what that's my point. It's not about using them for ideas and doing like, oh, we're doing this think tank. No, don't, don't mind map my life. <laughs> I want you to pay their wages and, and help them be the next generation to bring in more ideas and more young people and, you know, keep it going like that. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I don't want to be ageist and say like, oh, certain people can't work in these industries because, of course, if you've been in the industry 20 years and you know all about logistics and radio broadcasting, of course, you are valuable. However, there's also young people that are valuable too and would like jobs too. So diversity is everything. It's about people with disabilities, people of different cultures, races, you know, locations, everything. So be mindful that if you want to reach people in the North, employ some people from the North. <laughs> yeah, it's so simple. But yeah. It's just getting that message across and just saying, okay, it's easy to do, but now you actually just have to do it. It's as simple as that. That conversation was so important and Ramal made so many important points. I'm so glad that she did. You can listen to her present every single Saturday on Capital Extra as well. Really go listen. She is incredible. Right, the last guest on this week's episode is Tony Minival. Now, he's a presenter on Jazz FM, but he's been presenting and DJing for years. So he's got so much insight to share and I can't wait for you to hear it. How did you find the radio industry? How did that start? I basically got a job at a record shop on the Brixton Road and it was run by two hippies and they schooled me in everything. Right, jazz, rock, soul. There was a rehearsal studio underneath the record shop and all the great and the good used to come and rehearse there. The band that became Freeze, Paul Harcastle and his band called Direct Drive, we did 19 and all kinds, all kinds of musicians. And it just really gave me the bug for this music. And then I got involved in the kind of soul scene, going clubbing in London. And then, well, we got bored with it when the scene started, we used to go to Electric Ballroom and the scene started changing and everyone was body popping and all that stuff. I'm not, <laughs> not into that, right? And uh, went upstairs at the ballroom and there was a guy called Paul Murphy and it was a fast footwork jazz room and you walk through that door and I knew I'd come home, basically. It was, yeah, this is me, definitely. Uh, and it's got immersed in the whole jazz funk and jazz dance thing and uh, just got into Pirate Radio. Fresh FM was the pirate station here. I grew up on the London pirate scene with Invicta and all that stuff because all the DJs used to come into my record shop and buy music, right? So cause it was all along that sort of South London strip. Chris Phillips, got, from who I worked with, was heavily involved with the London scene. And then it became community radio where I really learned my craft. And I mentored, you know, Simon Scully Phillips used to be on Capital. Yeah. Now on Jazz. He was one of my, yeah, Leicester boy. And so I mentored him and there's another, a few other people like DJ SS, sort of drum-based DJ, really big one and loads of other young black broadcasters that were coming through. And then I moved to America. I had an opportunity to go to America. And I won't tell you the whys and wherefores of how it happened, but it was a very just strange set of coincidences that I ended up helping my good friend Jamal Ahmed on his show called Groove Gumbo, which is a, a show on a station called WCLK Atlanta, which is part of Clark Atlanta University. Right, okay. It was all life-changing stuff, but the strange thing about being at WCLK was that from the top to the bottom, they're all black, from the MD down to the everybody, right? So it's a completely different dynamic, right? I mean, obviously, America has its own colorism issues, right? And one of the great facts that Curtis told me, actually, that really sort of, hmm, I really thought about was that his song, Those of Us Who Are Darker Than Blue, is all about a colorism thing. So in the days of slavery, if the darker you were, the further from the house you worked. So the darkest people worked in the fields and the lightest people worked in the house with the easy jobs. And that, to a certain extent, does still permeate in black corporate America. And come back to the UK and try and establish some radio over here. My little cousin had blown up then. He's in the dream team. He was in the dream team. Timmy Magic and uh, spooning them a lot and did some stuff with the worldwide family and then we had three children by that point and then my wife's sister passed away and she had five we adopted three and I had to say goodbye to music for 16 years yeah and then I came back into it eight years with a mission to get a nationally networked show within a few years and it took me three so that's that was the comeback and thanks to so many amazing people that I've worked with over the years uh, and it's strange, karma is a thing, isn't it, really? Because so many people that I helped years ago 
it all came back on me. It all came back the other way, which I wasn't expecting. Something that I would like to pick up on from what you said as well is that when you was in America, the stations were all all black owned, black people the whole way through from top to bottom. How does that differ from working at a station that doesn't have black people from top to bottom? Because there's some that have empathy, some that pretend to have empathy, and some that have no empathy that you work with. And it's trying to sift which is which is the issue, the minefield, right, as you know. And I'll be honest here, I've been fairly lucky at Bauer with the people that I work with. All in all, they've been really, really good. Commercial stations are always going to find it very difficult to do what they do because they're working to a dollar, right? So they've got to start advertising. And if they imagine their audience don't want to see black people, which is the wrong premise to be on anyway, then you won't see black people. But luckily, there are a lot more people that are pulling the strings that are thinking, well, no, they do want to see black people. And there is an audience that is a diverse audience. And we have to accept that and we have to move forward with that. And in fact, we need to redress the balance. And Bauer are actively doing that at the moment. There have been other black British people on jazz, but I don't think they have in the last 20 odd years. There's been black DJs from America and they have to be massive names. And actually, in the last six months, it's been quite a sea change. So you've got China Moses, you've got myself, you've got Yolanda Brown, and you've got my brethren, Mr. Phillips Simon, yeah. doing Saturdays, which is I'm so pleased about. You know, and it's great because he only lives down the road from me anyway in Leicester. So it's like <laughs> we're always exchanging stuff. I'm willing to go and slap his head for him, whatever, anyway. So it's really nice to be part of that. But he came from a different route, obviously, because he came from the commercial. He was on Capital Radio and then he went to Dubai and well, yeah. He was on yeah, but yeah, on Magic, yeah, it was Magic Soul. And that's how yeah, we made yeah. the crossover. So on Saturdays, Saturdays was our day. I'd go to London and he'd already been in the Magic Studio doing what he needed to do. And I would just book out a studio in Golden Square. Basically how I would do it, the live stuff that I do, doing interviews, I'd book it out so that the whole day I would have three or four guests come in and talk to me at different times. And then a couple of young interns and not interns, but young people that I knew in the industry young black people to come and help me in that score where possible to give them an experience in that space because you know a radio studio can be quite intimidating and once you break that spell and they come into that studio and they sit there and they look at me do my nonsense and then they say I can do that I can do that I'm sure I'll do it better than he can right uh, and that's the exact response I want if I can get that then I've won and the next thing is to get them through the door so that's where the harder work is Yeah, I just want to say, obviously, you know, I work for Bauer as well. And one thing that I am going to say is that this year, Bauer have done an incredible amount of work and you can see the effort is there to make change. And I think that's all anyone wants is not just, oh, yeah, we're going to make change, but the physical effort and the tangible changes happening. Something that I'd love to ask you as well is as you mentioned that you'd bring young black people in. Do you think that we have a responsibility as people that are in the business to say to the young people that maybe not, oh yeah, come through to the studio, let me teach you a few skills. Do you think that's the way that we can try and sort out the diversity issue that we have? It's essential. It's my obligation to do that. It's getting harder. Obviously, we can't do that now because we've got no studios. But I'm sure there are other ways around this. Okay, so there's two tracks here. First of all, we need to train a lot more young black people in this area, but also we need to normalise seeing and hearing black people full stop, especially during the daytime. It just needs to be normalised and it is happening. And also we've just started, was, as I said, there was much hand-wringing and tears and, and laughter and tears again over the last few months at, at jazz doing stuff that we do to try and get things moving forward. It's a black music. Jazz is a black music. It's... You know, the whole foundation of it, it's, it's like it's a no-brainer, isn't it, really? And they understand that completely. So we've just started this thing called Jazz FM Voices, which has started, okay, so this is the point that uh, really was important, is that it started in Black History Month, but that's not what it's about. That was a starting point, but actually it's a series of voices and programming that's going to be ongoing over the next couple of years, not just the next couple of weeks. And that's now set in stone. And they've put a manifesto out, which we were all involved in writing. And so there's no going back. So I'm really chuffed that they've been brave enough to go and and do that. And now everyone has to go and, including myself, has to go and do the work and and make sure that it's programming, the people, the stories, all reflect who we are as a diverse society. What I love that you've just mentioned as well 
is that yes, it started in Black History Month, but you're going to continue past that. And it's so important that people that are changing their programming or maybe putting out documentaries or doing something for Black History Month, that Black people exist outside of October. We have to keep this going. You can't just say... Black people are here for a month, part of the year, and that's it, because it don't work like that. We're black 24-7. Thank <laughs> you. That's, that's, year. <laughs> that's it. That's exactly it. Get Trying to get this thing going, there's a little bit of pushback from the people I asked to come and help, understandably, because they just believed it was just box ticking, and it's only short term, and it's just like, you know, it's going to be a very short agenda. But actually, no, we have to convince them that actually it isn't that there is some serious push for change and we're being allowed, I know it sounds a bit of a strange phrase, we're being allowed, but we are being actively encouraged to push for that change. And um, seriously, my shoulder is there at the door pushing really hard. There's some things that I would like to change, which hopefully comes soon enough. There's some people I would like to help. I, I have not been able to help as much as I would really have liked to, but I'm going to keep persevering. But yeah, it, it is, it's a long-term thing. It has to be a long-term strategy. I think that term, enough is enough is basically it and you hear so much from people oh it's uh, every night I turn the telly on it's black this and black that hey trust me we've been doing I've been doing 50 years of that really come on now it's like that so how come you've got your own history month well you know what you've got the other 11 hello right you know it's that kind of stuff you've got to work against that kind of nonsense and sometimes it can wear you down but I've been doing it for 50 plus years and every day I wake up and I have to say it's a new day And it is mad because I think with everything that's gone on in the past few months and things have been highlighted, I know that the young black generation, like we're so tired of having to argue. But then when you speak to the older generation, they're literally just like, we've been doing this for 50 years. And we think, oh, wow, we we need to do more because we can't be, when we're 50, we can't be saying, oh, we're going to keep doing this for 50 years. We just need change now across all areas like whether it's charity work whether it's medication whether it's radio it's so many different aspects of life and every single one of them just isn't right at the moment yeah the difference is now you guys just seem to be more relentless which I'm really proud of we are. But you have you have a uh, but you see the thing is you see you have a lot more platforms that you are in control of yeah social media extremely important platform and you're building that And that's the point I need to get across as well, is the fact that you're telling your own story in your own terms. So it's all about building your own platform. Be confident in doing that. Be confident in getting your your message across. Be confident in the fact that even though you're not getting your feedback, you probably are still reaching your audience. But that's the thing, that's the fall down of social media because you expect, you put something up, you expect a thousand, you expect a thousand likes or a hundred likes or whatever it is. In my case, three. But actually, there may have been 500 people who saw your message and like it and have not bothered to. Uh, You have to believe in that and have faith in that. And actually doing what I do at the moment tells me that, you know, when you look at the listening numbers and and the stuff that's going on, oh, yeah, crikey, how did that happen? Yeah, never lose heart on doing stuff like that. Never lose heart. Something else that I would love to touch on as well. Obviously, people seem to struggle with hearing black voices on the radio. But for Jazz FM, I don't understand that because, of, as you said, the origin of jazz is black music. So it's a difficult one because you don't want to hear black voices presenting it, but you're happy to listen to the black voice within the music or you're happy to have a black person be behind playing the instrument. There's two things that play here. One is the perception of what the audience is supposed to be, but also the reality of what the audience is. So Jazz FM, white middle class audience, but they're fairly enlightened. But yeah, I see your point. It's, you would expect them not to be bothered about whether the voices they're hearing are black or white, but it's all about the perception of the people upstairs about what's, you know, it's a commercial endeavour and that's got to be in the uppermost in our mind that they're looking at listening figures, they're looking at what's going on here and what should they take a chance on that. And some people want to be cautious in how they do stuff and other times they want to be a little bit more adventurous. If it's working, doing well, why change it? Well, there's a million reasons why you should change it. But it's just getting them to realise those reasons. And they have realised now. So things are changing. A lot more to do, mind. But, uh, you know, these things cannot... I say they cannot happen in a day, but actually they seem to be happening in weeks. What would you say to maybe other companies that are listening? Maybe they could be in a managerial role, or if not, if you put out a message to them, what would it be? Listen to your staff. Look at your audience. 
And then look at your audience again. One thing I was trying to get across is that I think people, I could be wrong in this, but I think there's like a black middle class that are not catered for anywhere. We all know that each of the different stations have their demographic from Absolute to Kiss to Jazz to Magic to Scala. But actually within that, think outside the box. It's hard to put it into any one thing. I think what they need to do is go and see what other stations are doing and that are doing it well. Go and listen to other stations, smaller stations, community stations. Go and see what they're doing. I was very much, you know, when One Extra started, I was really, really afraid that it was going to be a kind of station that marginalized black music and black people and black broadcasters. And the BBC was saying, we'll just give them this little thing here and then we can keep the rest of the stations exactly as it is at the moment, mostly white, okay? And then they should be happy. But what actually went and happened was that One Extra just exceeded expectations. And that was thanks to Wilbur Wilberforce and who was the original. Because that was the days of when the only black faces on, basically on Radio 1 was, was my cousin and, and Spoonie and Mikey, Dream Team, and those big faces on there. And daytime, Sunday, massive listenership. They changed the game in doing what they were doing. And that was about it in mainstream radio. And then One Extra came along and Wilbur was their producer. And then he took over One Extra. I think he started with the web pages. And he was a jazz DJ, by the way. That's how I knew him. And that changed the game because one bled into the other. One Extra actually has driven youth culture, not just in audio, but actually in the way things are presented in television. Look at the way everything is structured. It's all about black culture. Even though they've kind of said it's not, but we all know it's so obvious. <laughs> it's like, and the way things are edited, the way things are cut, the way things are presented, the language that's used. It's uh, you want everything, but you don't want us. That's the key. That's you want like, what, what can you do? And we shout. Oh, we don't scream. We shout. We make valid points. We laugh at people for their ridiculousness, and you just think to yourself, be an example be an example in everything that you do and people will follow. And I want as many young broadcasters, black, Asian, the ones who are not represented, I want them to be represented. I want them to look at what we're doing or what I'm doing and think, like I said, the race starts interview. I can do that and I'm sure I can do it better than he can. And that, for me, as I said, is a win for me. If you enjoyed this podcast, which I know you did, then please, please make sure to subscribe to Radio Silence wherever you get your podcasts. We are also on Twitter and Instagram, so give us a follow at Radio Silence Pod. And please feel free to get in touch, let us know what you think, or even share your story with us as well. Radio Silence is presented by me, Kaylee Golden produced by Palama Kaufman and Sarah Hebimoti, and engineered by Eric Breer. The music was made by Blackish Productions, and we'll be back next Monday with more important stories to share. <laughs>